0: Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. places and people that we have in this congregation and the travels that you've uh, been to, that if you've ever gone to places where you feel kind of small or insignificant when you go to these locations. First place I've never been to, some of you have been there, it's Yosemite, and you have these groves and canyons filled with these giant redwood sequoias. They go hundreds of feet into the sky, and, and in some cases, uh, I don't know that they still allow them to, but you could drive through some of these trees. One of them was General Sherman, I believe is the name of uh, the one tree. I think it's still standing as far as I know, but uh, these trees, uh, as you go through, you find them to be something that makes you feel rather small as you drive through them because of the age and the height that they have gained. You can go other places, and and you can actually go to places that actually call themselves uh, a Hall of Fame. Uh, here you have the Football Hall of Fame, and there they have the uh, the the busts that are there of individuals that have made it into the Hall of Fame, whether it was for things on the field or as coaches or even broadcasters. You can have these individuals that are there that accomplish things that uh, as far as your human strength and the like you're thinking I could never you know play one down in the NFL let alone uh, watching uh, individuals be able to do this on a regular basis and still uh, manage to play a whole game with all the hits that they would take you walk through and in a place like this and you just look at people and go they they did accomplish some pretty incredible things on the field. This is the one location I've actually been to. This is Yad Vashem. It's a museum in Israel that is, well, it would be more commonly known as the Holocaust Museum there in Israel. And this is what is known as the Avenue of the Righteous. The Avenue of the Righteous is a place where uh, the Jews have planted trees, uh, especially for what they would call Gentiles, who did much to try and protect the lives of Jews throughout the Holocaust. And you have these trees that are different individuals who perhaps uh, through their uh, lying and deceit, their housing or whatever, uh, and uh, just their care of even just providing food and shelter to individuals, now have a memorial to them for their willingness to sacrifice their own lives for somebody else kind of go through there and you're humbled by the fact that you're thinking these are individuals that gave their lives up for oftentimes individuals who they didn't even really know they were just concerned about their life uh being preserved and you can walk through this and it's just the avenue of the righteous and you can go through this and and see different names that are familiar from history of individuals that tried to protect the jews I say all of this and what we are entering into Hebrews chapter 11 is what we would call the hall of faith. The individuals in this uh, as you read through it are ones that you kind of feel small in comparison to. The names you read abraham and noah and individuals like that moses and joseph and and individuals like that you feel as a christian rather small in comparison to reading what these individuals were willing to do but what you have to remind yourselves is that most people think this hall of faith starts in chapter 11 and verse 1 and ends at the end of the chapter which is not really the case because as you read through hebrews you find that uh hebrews is a series of sermons it's a series of sermons that go through and expound old testament passages you go why old testament passages well hebrews is a book trying to help jewish individuals who might be, because of family and friends, uh, considering the fact maybe they should go back to their old religious faith, their faith of works and trying to please God by uh, activities like that. And there was pressure brought upon them. And and the whole book of Hebrews is a, a series of sermons looking at the Old Testament, promoting the fact that Christ is better and you have, as you read through, a passage of, uh, as you read the book of Hebrews, a passage from the Old Testament quoted, and then you have kind of a small sermon afterwards given about it, and then another passage of Scripture quoted, and it is, uh, has a sermon for it. And this passage, uh, is known as the Hall of Faith, actually has an Old Testament passage attached to it. It's gotten kind of past the whole thing of uh, trying to prove that Christ is better, and now it's trying to say, okay, how do you live your life? in a world that may be opposed to you. And as you look at verse number 32, it says this, but call to remembrance the former days in which ye after ye were illuminated endured a great fight of afflictions. He's just simply saying when you got saved and came to Christ, your you know, your eyes being enlightened as Ephesians 1 talks about is you see Christ there was a great fight of affliction and in verse 33 partly uh, whilst ye were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used basically saying you were uh, ill-treated by those around you when you became a christian and you remember the fights that happened there well verse 35 cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense reward for ye have need of patience that ye after having done the will of god you might receive the promise for yet a little while he shall come and will or he that shall come will come and will not tarry and then verse 38 here's here's the the passage of scripture that he is working off of in this small section uh, in hebrews verse 38 now the just shall live by faith say where's that from well that's from the book of habakkuk uh, verses uh, three and four there in habakkuk and it is a passage that is quoted at least three times in our new testament it is the passage that convinced martin luther in reading this in romans chapter one that a person was saved not by works of the law but by faith They got their right standing because of faith. You have a passage, Galatians, that quotes this and is basically saying that you were saved by faith. But the emphasis in this passage and using Habakkuk chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4 there is just to simply say this. The just, or people who are righteous, are ones who will live by faith. Okay, it's emphasizing the fact of how they're living their life. It's a life of faith. It's not talking about the initial point of salvation, that they're saved by faith. It's really emphasizing in this passage that they are going to live by faith. And you say, well, how do we know that? Well, verse 20 or 38 ends this way but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But the writer of Hebrew says this but we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. See, we start this passage off in this hall of faith, and we're just realizing that Paul is challenging individuals to remind them that they're not the first ones to have suffered. They're not the first people in the world to have to endure afflictions, that this is something that has gone on from generation to generation, and the determining factor for people to be great is not that they were created great they were some fantastic superhuman type individual and they're cast in this no as you you actually remind yourself of the stories as you read through in hebrews chapter 11 you find people who are rather frail you know we think of abraham as a great individual he was a liar on a public scale a large scale Uh, and he did this several times he didn't learn his lesson the first time he did it twice And he tried to manipulate uh, God's plan by coming up with a way to get the promised son that he was supposed to get. Uh, You look at certain things and you go, these people weren't perfect. No, they weren't perfect. That it has been for generation to generation that people will live by faith. That's, That's the factor that makes them stand out. They're people that have faith. And for us uh, this evening, we're just going to go through the first three verses of this uh, chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 because it connects with what we were looking at this morning about the fact of creation being a matter of faith. This passage admits that, that it is a a matter of faith. But what we want to look at just simply this evening what is faith? What is true faith? this passage that is all about the hall of faith individuals having faith as you look through you see the word faith appear some 24 times uh, starting in chapter 10 going right on in verse 12 and the idea of faith is a confidence a trust but as you go through this passage you're really not going to get an exact definition of faith you're going to get a description of what faith is like not necessarily. A definition it's sort of like 1 Corinthians chapter 13 everyone remembers that as the love chapter and it talks all about love but you realize this it never defines what love is in that chapter it gives 16 different verbs of what love is doing it's giving a description of what it's like if you were to say okay I need to see what loves like you can see it there but you're not getting a definition of it in hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 and 2 we're not necessarily getting a definition but we're getting a description of what it's going to look like if you were to see it you'd go that's faith though you might not be able to necessarily define it though we will get a better idea of it and looking at it here this evening verse 1 explains the nature of faith not completely defining faith but by explaining how faith actually works and what it's doing As you start off in verse number one of hebrews chapter 11 it's this statement that many have heard before it's just simply this now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen and what you see described here is that first of all faith is confident of things promised by god there's a confidence or an assurance I realize this when it says that it's the the substance of things hoped for we're not talking about a hope that is a christmas time kind of hope okay when you see the word confidence or hope or excuse me hope in the scripture we're not talking about uh, some child who's written out a list and is hoping that they're going to get something for christmas Uh, and there's this kind of going well it may happen it may not happen no when you see hope it's a solid thing that something is going to happen unshakably going to happen Uh, hope's not a wish it's based on as you look through the scripture it's based usually on a statement of scripture a direct statement of scripture god has said this and there is this confidence that it will happen Uh, God cannot lie, Titus 1-2 tells us, and what he says is guaranteed to happen. So now faith is, as you look at this, the substance of things hoped for. Uh, You go, what is that word substance? What is the word substance? Um, As you read through it, it's used twice in this book. Hebrews chapter 1, in a description of what Jesus Christ is like, it says this that god has spoken in these last days unto us uh, by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image that's the word that we have here of substance that is the express image of his person upholding all things by the word of his power Or as you get into Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 14, it says this, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. I mean, look at the two passages. You could have that we have the exact substance or we have the confidence of something. As you look at this, it is that a person that has faith is like a person who is assured of the fact. There's an assurance, a solidity, a confidence that what has been said will happen and you're not moving them. It's like a person who has signed a title deed for a house. They haven't seen the house yet, but they've got the title deed in their hand and they are unshakable that the house is now theirs, though they may not be there yet. And in some cases, in today's market, people are buying it so fast, they haven't even seen it yet. But this type of person who has faith is one that is just completely assured that this is going to happen. What has been said is true. There's no moving a person like that. I mean, faith, is in this section, is described as making presence, present confidence out of a future reality. Things that haven't happened yet, they are solid on. What you find in the book of Hebrews, there's a, chapter 11, is that you find a, a lot of people who are looking for a city. They're strangers and pilgrims in this world. They recognize that. This world's not their home. You go, well, what are they confident of? That there is a place for them. They haven't seen it yet but they're strongly assured, confident in what has been declared. I mean, you have that line of just kind of describing what faith is like, and then you have the second line that just simply says this, the evidence of things not seen. This is the only time that this word evidence uh, is used in our Bible as a noun, though the verb form of it is used throughout the New Testament. you can find this word that is evidence in in second timothy 3 and verse 16 that passage says all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction and instruction and in righteousness you go what's the idea of reproof well you're trying to prove something and what does the scripture do it's proving to us that we're wrong that we're not right Uh, that you have the laying out you might think of it this way that it lays out evidence for us you know sometimes we don't like reading the word of god because of the fact that when we read it we're going to find out we're not where we're supposed to be we're not what we should be and when we do this we read the scriptures all of a sudden it's just laying out one piece of evidence after another piece of evidence like a lawyer in a courtroom who's just bringing exhibit a and exhibit b and exhibit you know c and is bringing this uh before a jury or a judge and trying to bring a conviction about a conviction is just the idea that you've convinced somebody and they then say this person is uh worthy of judgment that's what the scripture does for us or as you read in john chapter 16 here's the work of the holy spirit For those that are unsaved jesus said this i tell you the truth it is expedient for you that i go away if i go not away the comforter or the holy spirit will not come unto you but if i depart i will send him unto you and when he has come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment what he's going to do is that he's going to do a work of convincing people that they're sinners that there is a judgment coming and that there is a righteousness that's available not a righteousness itself because if you realize you're a sinner you know you have no righteousness but what the righteousness is you find in the passage as it goes along that it's the righteousness that jesus christ has that it's available to us but what the holy spirit does is that he does a work of convincing individuals you're a sinner you're worthy of God's judgment you need something or someone to pay for this and they find it in Christ and as they read through the scripture the sword of the spirit being used uh, uh, in convincing this individual that there is a surety in the convincement and what you have here is you might want to put this way and underline this word evidence it's just simply the conviction or the convincement they're convinced of things not seen. In faith, is convinced the unseen exists, and it defies our senses. Because these are oftentimes, when we're talking about things about God, they're things we haven't seen. We've heard of them. But actually hearing them, no, we've not heard, uh, heard them specifically. We've not seen them specifically. It defies senses, and that's why it says this, we walk by faith and not by sight in the Scriptures. We, if you see things, then it's no longer what? No longer faith. I mean, we have faith in our daily lives, we show it all the time we expect certain things to happen even though we don't know all the processes we go over to a light switch we hit it and switch it and hopefully uh, and we're thinking it's going to work I mean we don't even think about it we don't know all the processes we don't know anything that goes on we don't see anything that goes on other than us flipping that switch it happens we show faith doing that Uh, we show faith at times When we take a canned good and it says it's corn and you open it up you're expecting it to be what corn though you can't see inside the package and you can go on and on with this but when it comes to spiritual matters and and things about heaven and things of the scripture that we've never seen uh, there is a faith that we have to have in things that we've never seen a confidence, a conviction. Spiritual faith is what is needed to obtain eternal promises. It is a supernatural working that God does. And and you say, well, how does faith come about? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, A person, when it comes to spiritual matters, has to be hearing this, what God has to say to get to the point where they may be able to have faith. understand the scripture does not tell us this to have faith in faith you know that's a fancy term right now where if you really want to be spiritual or that or sound religious you know i have faith in faith well congratulations whatever that means because faith has its its settledness on something of solidity In this case, what God has said, his word, that he has declared this, that God is one who cannot lie. And when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, faith is not just merely something that is passive, it is active. if a person truly has faith in what God says, there is going to be activity that expresses the fact that there is a confidence, a settled assuredness in what God has said. You look at verse 2 and you find that there are testimonies of faith that we're not the first ones if we think that we're standing on god's promises and and having faith and confidence in it that we're somehow you know breaking new ground no we're not but we're not you look at verse two it says this uh for by it you say by what faith the elders obtained a good report i mean others have had faith the elders are referring to those that were in old times those that were in the past uh, they had this And as you look at the scripture, they they did show their faith as you look through all of these things. And many times it was against the idea of being comfortable. In fact, many times when they exhibited faith, they lost the comforts that they were so familiar with uh, as had. But they were doing this with the understanding that they had an eternal hope. one has said this in this passage if we follow the standards of god whom we've never seen or heard we may experience pain loss discomfort unpopularity persecution even death but that which we hope for is a given substance in the present by the intensity of our faith it is faith that tells us it is better to suffer with god now Knowing what shall be, then to prosper with the world. Our faith, then, is faith against our world system. Do you realize that faith goes against everything our world stands for? Our world stands for what you can see right now. It only goes with what can be experienced right now. And our world lives for this and it is a world that is saying grab what you can now because that's the only thing that is certain to them, they think. You see an illustration of this when you you talk about it in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 26 uh, when you have an individual by the name of Moses who was, uh, well, one who has kind of adopted into the family of Pharaoh daughter is there and has adopted him but you see this idea that he refused in verse 24 to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of god than enjoy the pleasure of sin for his season and here's what it says about him why he has the this type of attitude verse 26 esteeming the reproach of christ greater riches than the treasures of egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of reward What he realized in in going with the nation of Israel, and there's a lot of details to go along with it, but he realized he was losing all the temporary comforts that he had and he was giving it up for difficulty. But he knew to stay with the people of Egypt would bring what? Eternal judgment. That there would be a judgment if he went with them and, and sided with them, that there would be judgment that God would bring upon him that there really was a god and that there was a judgment that is coming and he understood these things and he said you know what i'd rather be ready to meet god than to then take up the pleasures of this life going back to verse number two you do see this that for by it the elders obtained a good report we might say this that they were honored They received witness. The Old Testament saints received praise from God because they lived by faith. You go through the scriptures and you find time and time again accounts of individuals who lived in faith uh, towards God and God has their accounts written here in the scripture and they are honored because they had faith in what God said. The statement is true that God honors faith because faith honors God. He does honor those that have faith. And it may not be in this life, because people think, well, if I have faith in this life, I'm going to get all the blessings that I should be getting. And the answer is, as you look through the book of Hebrews, uh, or chapter 11, you find not good things happening most of the time. Now granted, the enemies, uh, the armies of the enemies, the aliens as it's described, uh, were turned away, and there was the stopping of the violence of fire, and that you had the lion's mouth stopped, Those are things that did happen oftentimes by faith, but many times when a person had faith, what happened? Well, um, it happened this way. Uh, Verse 36, others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, Uh, they wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute and afflicted and tormented. And here's kind of the statement of the Holy Spirit here, of whom the world was not worthy. These are individuals that aren't living for this life they're living for the life to come they're worthy of something else uh, they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise god having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not or should be made perfect the understanding is that god even though they went through all these difficulties may not have given them what you would expect honor in this life But they had something in the life to come because they acted as if there was something beyond. They had faith in things unseen that God had declared to be true. And so a person who has faith is one who honors God. And you say, well, what's the common illustration of faith? That's where we get to verse number three. It says this, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. It's kind of interesting to note that as you go through this, the section starts the by faith or through faith. It appears eighteen times in the chapter. However, this one's different because it's not the faith of someone else in the Old Testament. And all the other occasions when it's talking about the faith of somebody else, it names somebody or says he or they or she did this. In this passage, it actually says we. Okay, right at the beginning, there's this illustration. We're not talking about things yet future. We're talking things in the past. And this is something that you had to come to grips with. All of you, if you're going to be the righteous who live by faith. You're going to live this out. You've got to have come to this point where you were convinced of this very point. This thing here in verse number three. And you say, What is that? That's the creation of the worlds. I mean, anybody that has become a believer in Jesus Christ has to come to grips with the fact that they're responsible to that one, that they're responsible to God and you say well how is that well they believe the reports that god as we said this morning in genesis 1 1 that god created everything that includes us they've come to grips with this and they're confident of the fact that this one that uh, is uh, unseen to us created uh, all of us out of things yet unseen and that they're convinced of this i mean this is kind of the base thing that you have to have when it comes to living righteously because if you don't believe that god created you thus you won't worry about the fact that you're a sinner there's no responsibilities if i wasn't created by god if i just got here by uh, my good looks my strength my abilities whatever it is i've gotten to this point there is no standard because i just got here by a series of accidents i'm not going to worry about sin i'm not going to worry about god But a person who starts off a life of righteousness is going to have to come to grips with the fact that there is one with whom they have to do that has created them. We have to come to grips with the fact that we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. This word worlds is kind of an unusual term. It's not necessarily referring to what we would call the physical universe. It's actually talking about the ages the, the age that we live in. It's the word ion or ion as you might say uh but it is uh not the word normally used cosmos which is talking about the organized world structure but it's just basically saying that we believe that god created everything in this world and in this time frame god is the one who's responsible for what has been created We understand that this world, uh, the the time period and everything in it was created by God. And in fact, the word here is the idea of framed. It's not just merely talking about the fact that God created the world. It's the idea of adjusting certain things. It's got the idea of creation and both the care of God. That God continues to do this. That He framed these things and organized it in such a way that there would be care for uh, the individuals inside this bracket. It's the unseen hand of God that created and now sustains the universe. As you look at the book of Colossians, you find that He is the one by uh, His own power that by Him all things consist or continue on. And you say, well you see the statement that the worlds were framed by the word of god as we're going to see next week in the sermon that it's not god doing some sort of magical motion or something like that it's just merely that by his own word okay the 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 voice of the lord as the psalms talks about that has power it thundereth Uh, that voice had the ability to create Psalms 33, verse 6 says this, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. You see over and over again in the count in Genesis that God uses His word. And so as you see this, we understand by faith that the worlds are framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now the question comes up, what is the thing seen and what are the things that aren't seen? There's some discussion of this. Some take this as a reference to God's Word. It is God's Word that did it. And thus, that's the unseen thing that brings things into existence. In relation to the verse, the rest of the chapter, it's faith in God's Word that must be trusted. And so a lot of people take it that way and say the unseen thing is that God said something there's no substance to that other than the sound and so things that aren't seen created things that do appear that it's the word of god that does this and as you look at the rest of the passage that way but it can be taken this way that creation was made and we use this term this morning was made ex nihilo you want know to I mean by that that there was no substance beforehand it was made out of nothing And that what we see here, that it was suddenly created. It wasn't there before God created it. He was the one responsible for it and brought it into existence that he was the one that did this. Either way, uh, taking that passage, it's accurate and scriptural. But as you get through, the understanding is this, is that creation by God is the only viable thing to place faith in. Belief that the visible world, the universe, and the ages were created by God is a conviction of faith. Okay? Saying that you believe that God created the world is a statement of faith. Because no one saw it. It's a conviction of faith, not sight. No one knows the origin of the world by sight. No one can say, I was there when it happened and saw how it all started. The only thing we know about creation is what we know by faith and what God has said. His word. I mean, God did ask Job when he laid the foundation of the earth, or about the laying of the foundation of the earth. Job 38.4 makes this statement where God is challenging Job. He says this, where, or where wast thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. And God's pretty confident that Job wasn't there. There's nobody there. There are only two options outside of faith in God uh, if you don't want to have faith in the idea that God created the world. One is philosophy, which has no clue or science, which repeatedly destroys the evidence uh, for evolution continually. They try and come up with ideas that are going to work, and it doesn't work you know they're always replacing in the evolutionary chart these different people that are there in the chart and then they have to replace them because they find out that they were actually coming from a bone of a pig or something like that and and they're going nope that that's not the case and so the philosophy there uh, doesn't really work but i mean basically you've got to come up with something and it's based on nothing of substance creation is the first issue of faith that any man must come to it is the issue that anyone coming to the scripture is confronted with to not believe this is to question god and is a lack of faith in him i mean when you look at the hall of faith this is the first thing that god decides i'm going to address is that if you don't believe what the very first statement of the scripture is in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth if you're not willing to take that then really you're not really willing to take what the rest of the scripture says you've ignored that and if you can't believe that type of detail that god created our world you're not going to be the type of person who then says i believe that there is a world to come you can't believe what has been seen in our past and god has declared this is the truth and you can't actually look and see evidences that okay someone designed this world we lived in or live in it is designed by a very careful craftsman and it had to be instantaneous in some cases you look at some of these smallest cells it wasn't that they could be evol- you know evolutionarily designed no it had to be in an instant that those cells were designed or they would have died and you look at the intricate patterns that you see of design, even in a leaf of a tree or, or, or some sort of substance as you take, you know, and it's, it's wonderfully fantastic. I enjoy this sometimes where they have pictures and they ask you, what is it? You know, and you're trying to guess what it is. And it's a grain of pollen. You know, they've, they've zoomed in oh, a thousand ma- magnification. You're like, I have no idea what this is, but it's got all sorts of design to it and whatever. And then you're just like, it's a grain of pollen or it's the actual, you know, the back of somebody's hand and you're only looking at a very small, small, small speck of it and you're going, wow, look at the intricate design that's there. And then as we looked at this morning, the James Webb Space Telescope is they're now seeing thousands and thousands of galaxies that they have never even seen before. And they're amazed at the design because they're finding designs that they've never seen for galaxies before. They thought that they had seen everything and they're beginning to see more things and, and it's incredible to them. See, if we can't come to the conclusion that when God says that he created the world and even by the evidence around us go that I am confident of that, we're not going to be confident like the people in Hebrews chapter 11 are that there is a place that they're headed. That they've never seen They've heard about it, but they've never seen it, never experienced it, never had somebody send a postcard back to them of what it was like. They are just hearing what God said, and he says, this is where you're headed, a place that I prepared for you. Uh, They're not going to be able to believe it. And so this issue of faith, confidence that God created the world is really important for the whole of us believing that there is a future. For us in a place called heaven so it's not a minor issue to believe things we haven't seen but god declared that he made everything because there's a, another place that he's made for us that we're headed to and if we can't have confidence in that that it's going to happen we will be people who flounder and are not ones who will ever show up in the hall of faith Uh, we won't be like those individuals we'll be ones who wander in 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 ways that we should not and bring well dishonor to the god of heaven and so for us uh, it is an issue that is important i trust that you do believe that god created you and then take that confidence right through to the fact that he's got a place for you and that he is coming again. Lord, we thank you that you created us. We have evidence that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're not a series of accidents. Lord, help us to also have confidence as we go through our world and we live amongst people who say, this is it. There is nothing else but this world that we live in. And they are trying to call us to take up their attitude and their ideas that promote the fact that this is it. Lord, give us a faith that will confidently stand with no movement, an assurance, a conviction that we are not stopping here. But that we are headed for a place that you have made for us to be with you and to fellowship with you like you originally intended for us to do when you created us that we're going to be able to do that forever may we stand in faith pointing a world that is living for right now to that there is the fact that there is something beyond though we cannot see it it is there So give us the courage to be individuals like those in the hall of faith to stand even though we haven't seen, we've heard, we haven't seen. May we be convicted and convinced and act as if we have seen those things. In this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.